Gavin. Hey, Louie. Look at me. Wearing my Look little X-Men shirt. Oh. I, am a, I am a mutant. Oh. No muties go home. Oh. Me marching outside. <laughs> oh, you're actively partner. against me in this moment. <laughs> oh, hmm. I thought we were going to be like, yes, we're mutants in this together. We're freaks. But no, Gavin said. No, I, w- I, was, uh, I was mystiquing. I was oh. trying to blend in so they wouldn't get me. Yeah, that's mystiquing the... about. Mystiquing that's, about. <laughs> that's so you, Gavin. That's me. <laughs> Hi, everyone. We're The Mixed Reviews. We're a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini-genre. We take two weeks, watch as much as we can. We do a complete history for you guys, and then we talk about what we like and what we don't like. We mix it right the fuck up. Um, Me and Gavin are recording a little later than usual because the stars astrologically like there's a lot of things going on right now guys like <laughs> please take care of yourself please live laugh love all those good things because um i personally am being assaulted by the stars your mercury's in retrograde your saturn's returning mm-hmm. your aphrodite lady seashell bikini is in the wash it's, in the <laughs> it's wash. just horrible <laughs> where's your garden horrible. panty <laughs> well, well, that that I always have ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> but we we had exciting things this week, and I know we you know I just want to take a moment. Maybe this will be a little longer, old business. Ooh. But we both did exciting things this week, and I feel like we should talk about them because they're yes. very cool things. So you okay. got to go with your band to see Titanic. Well, yeah. Well, so we didn't see the show. I've I've oh. seen it. I've seen it, and it's amazing. We um. So on Monday, typically all shows are dark. That's their day off. But instead, um, this last Monday, the show had a fundraiser with the ACLU for the Drag Defense Fund, and they put on the show and invited a bunch of drag queens to perform, and invited the queer marching band, um, the queer Big Apple marching band, which I'm a member of, uh, to perform as well. And we had a big party, um, and so the audience didn't know we were there. We like snuck in from the back, and um, <laughs> li- and we didn't know that all these drag queens were to be there. But like literally, it was. Every weaponized BFA in the tri-state area. <laughs> I swear to God, it was Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. It was Alexis Michelle. It was Jackie Cox. It, it, they were all there. Um, Olivia Lux. Oh, you mean all-star competitor? Yes. Alexis oh, Michelle? Oh, yes. Very, very <laughs> professional. Very beautiful. Very gorgeous. But um, yeah, uh, that was when I told Gavin, I was like, oh, I can't record on Monday. I have this thing. And you were like, oh, I guess I'll go to this Viola Davis gala now. And I was like, what the f- <laughs> Are you crazy? Are you kidding me? You went to a Viola Davis gala. Yes. Uh, my good friends over at Film at Lincoln Center hired me to do their social media videos for the Viola Davis, the Chaplin Award Gala. She received the Chaplin Award. And I was invited to go to the event, which is cool because usually I cut a lot of stuff that I don't get to see live. So that's I had a feeling for what the the whole vibe was. Um, And I initially wasn't going to go because I was like, "Mm, sounds really fancy. And they were like, it's not that fancy. And then I Googled it. And let me tell you, it's fucking fancy. (laughs) but yeah, it was amazing. I was in the second row. It was casual. Ama- yeah, it was an amazing night. Uh, the she was presented her award by uh, Gina Prince Blythewood or Bythewood. Sorry, I always say that wrong. Uh, Jessica Chastain, gorgeous uh, St- Sir Steve McQueen, gorgeous. Um, uh, Meryl, fucking Meryl Streep. My brain was just like blanking. I was yeah, I was so close to Meryl Streep. 
who seems really cool and, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. just really chill a, and like a I person. Love, I, I love a casual Monday gala. Just like, oh, yeah. I guess Meryl's like, fine, I'll come out. I, I think they do it because, as you mentioned, traditionally Broadway is dark. Yeah. And so they could get good old Jessica Jesse Chastain. Chastain she up. said, all right, I don't have to do my little... She, one two step. <laughs> in one point in her speech, she was like, I have a picture of you in my Broadway dressing room, Viola Davis. And it's a really cute moment, very sweet. But part of me was also like, was her agent like, remind everybody you're on Broadway. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone, you can go get tickets to see me on Broadway. Um, that's todaytakes.com. <laughs> which I've seen it. And it's... Um, She's she's certainly there. Uh, anyways, but it was, it was it was a very good. It was an amazing gala. And listen, we have done an episode on Viola Davis. She is truly a one in a generation talent. I absolutely believe that. I know it's one of your favorite episodes, Louis. Yes, it's absolutely one of my favorite episodes as well. And <laughs> I cried on that episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she fucking she made me cry with her speech. Everybody else was like really lovely and everything viola davis gets up there and is basically like fucking believe in yourself everybody yeah. she's like you're gonna go on a journey in your life you're gonna go to your innermost caves you're not gonna meet god there but you are gonna meet yourself wow. and you gotta learn and she's like you are your greatest love story and i was just like i am my greatest love story Viola. <laughs> she said jessica chastain don't you worry babe you'll have another <laughs> chance on broadway okay <laughs> yes exactly believe in yourself <laughs> Um, but yeah, truly, truly just, uh, I, I think our most, one of our most important talents in Absolutely. the world currently. And yes. so, yeah. Um, but that's just a little tidbit on what we've been doing and why we are recording a little bit late. Um, we do have some other old business. Last time we were here, we were talking about the Cohen brothers. We asked you guys to go online and to vote for your favorite Coen Brothers film. We were joined by our our, our good gal pal, Ben, uh, director of The Zero Method. Um, he, you know, we brought up the, the joint a little bit, you know? We, we had a, a, a journey where I had to watch some very uncomfortable movies for me. <laughs> but we made it through, okay? You know, you know I, I still really, I do appreciate, you know, Ben Myers, thank you for coming on. Because I, I gotta say, like, I really had this kind of... Meh, opinion about the Cone Brothers in the back of my brain. I was just like, I think they're like maybe secret conservatives, and yeah. and this this whole episode, that whole episode changed my mind. It completely revisiting their films, being like, nope, they actually are geniuses. I think, and yeah, I never would have seen No Country for Old Men by myself. I never would have been like, you know what, I want to watch that movie. <laughs> nope, never would have wanted to. Um, and I'm and and I don't know if I will revisit it, but I am glad that I watched it because it is an astounding film, um, yeah. like achievement of filmmaking. Um, but anyway, we asked you guys to go online. Um, and so for your favorite movie, um, it's just like banger after banger after banger. Um, a lot yes. of a lot of bangers didn't even make the cut. So um, my pick, Raising Arizona, came in at last place with fourteen percent. Um, a Serious Man, which was Gavin's pick, and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which was Ben's pick, tied at 20%. And Fargo came out on top with 46%. Um, we also had a lot of people write in, though, saying, Old Country for No Men. Um, <laughs> no Country fuck? for Old Men. Someone, okay, Jim message that going with old country for no men. Okay, so I oh. that, that was not my brain. That was oh, me okay. reading. That was, okay. yeah. Um, 
this other person who doesn't know what the meaning of choose one means says a serious man Miller's crossing or inside Lewin Davis. Um, <laughs> we got a Barton Fink. We got a man who wasn't there. Uh, we got another one who said uh, blood simple or the Hudsucker proxy, which you're crazy for that one. Um, yeah. I do like that movie, though, I will say. <laughs> and you're crazy for that one. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like the thing with the Coen brothers, I think, is it's like it's truly choose your own adventure. Um, yeah, I, I think the moment you put Fargo into that poll, it was decided. But that's that's not me saying don't. Obviously, it deserves to be there. But like, I was like, oh, Fargo's on there. Fargo's winning. <laughs> What's wild is like, no one said The Big Lebowski, which no, I shocking. thought was surprising. But I guess our audience really isn't that person. <laughs> <laughs> but to all the girlies who are that person, we see you, we appreciate you. And what are you doing here? Um... <laughs> They won't remember. Don't worry. No, no, no. <laughs> they, got, uh, they got no memory on that. We also have one final um, piece of, I guess this is new business. It's not old business. It's new business. New business. Yes. So we decided it would be fun to play a little game with you guys. And this is for everybody. We've been playing some games with our Patreon people, but we wanted to expand it out. So our current episode, the episode you're listening to right now, was decided by our Patreon community. But we want to make that bigger. So for May, we're doing a little thing we like to call May Madness. Because March Madness is so two months ago. Yes. <laughs> and also I, basketball is like whatever. I've heard about this game called basketball and I hear mm-hmm. they play it in colleges. Yes. Uh, but they do this bracket tournament thing. Very exciting. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I love I thought- the bracket. Remember the <laughs> pandemic when we were all bracketing everything? Oh, what everything. a time. What a time. <laughs> Um, so this is a game we're going to play for all of our listeners. We're going to be putting out through the month of May a four-tiered bracket, uh, starting with a couple different matchups, and you're going to decide who goes against who. You're going to bring us down to f- a second tier. Am I saying this right? Is that- well, we're start. I mean, so essentially, we're starting with eight actresses. Yes, um, we've, we've, we we have chosen eight actresses. Um, from there, you all will vote. We will go down to four. Um, for the semifinals, and then the, and the, obviously in the finals, we'll have the last two girlies standing. Um, now, Gavin, you, you made the bracket. Yes, I did. And I, I do want to say real quick, too. Also, the trick is the final two that are going head-to-head, they will actually be decided by our Patreon people. So <laughs> if you want to be in the final two vote, you have to join our Patreon that's right. Uh, it's a bribe. It's a bribe. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, Gavin, how did you make um, the, this bracket? Who did you? How did you decide like who went up against who? Well, you initially pitched me about six women, and then I yes. padded it out with yes. a couple other choices. But I was like, "This is how we're gonna go." So our first, our first heat will be Vivica A. Fox versus Ellen Burstein. Uh, they're mothers. You know, who will do anything to protect their children? Of course, by this, I mean Vivica Fox is Vernita Green from Kill Bill, and Ellen Burstein is the mother from The Exorcist. So that that makes sense, right? Our (laughs) Our second heat will be Liz Taylor versus Debbie Reynolds. They shared a husband. Okay. They did not. They did not share any love between okay. each other. <laughs> then we have Deborah Winger and Susan Sarandon, who are beautiful women whose careers started off by being beautiful women 
but they were so much more. Okay, what lies and, beneath? <laughs> and our final heat is Penelope Cruz and Pam Greer are two dangerous ladies. Ooh, dangerous can, woman? Yeah, who can occasionally show you their softer side. Um, I love that you put um, some thought into you know, the brackets <laughs> and, and these groupings. Um, I will say I love all these women. Um, I am most interested if I could... If I could send out some, I was going to say, vibes. so you're influencing. You're I'm an influencer influencing. now. <laughs> I I I know the least about Deborah Winger, and I'm so curious and um, would be very interested in to dive into that world um, because uh, not that I'm like an expert on all these other women. I'm sure they'd be great, but I truly don't even know if I've ever seen a Deborah Winger film, and I um, want you to. have. You I have, have for this okay. show. Okay, uh, but I won't tell you which. Okay. Well, there you have it, Um, friends. um, We'll be posting the bracket, um, I believe, and once once you guys should be listening to this when May is happening. So we'll be posting it soon. So keep an eye out. The the bracket will be all throughout May, which means we're going to have two episodes in between. And so after this episode, we're going to have two more episodes. And then this will be our first episode in June when it's decided. Uh, Yeah, it's very exciting. I um. Yeah, I I I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I I'm very curious who our audience is going to go with. And by the way, if we don't you know get to one, uh, we can always go back and do that subject later. It yeah. just won't be right away. They're 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 in the to come file. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um let's get into our subject for this episode, um, we are talking about well, we asked the girlies on our Patreon to vote, and um, it was between our Debbie subject Reynolds. And, oh, it was Debbie Reynolds, Vivica A. Fox, Vivica A. Fox, and Goldie Hawn, and Goldie Hawn, and Goldie squeaked out. I mean, she it was it was kind of close. Yeah, it was one vote. So um, yeah, we're I'm I'm super excited. I when I pitched. Um, those original batch, I was uh, very interested in Miss Goldina uh, just because, again, I was like, this is someone who I know. We've watched movies of hers for this um, podcast, but <laughs> she sneakily has a very large body of yes. work. <laughs> I was like, oh, she just made every rom-com in like the late 70s, early 80s. I think partially because she quit acting for a large time between the the 90s and the 2000s we people our age don't think of her as like what a megawatt star she truly was right but she but she really was she was a working gal yeah oh i mean it i they put her with every stud 80s character <laughs> there was they said just put get goldie get goldie put her in it it's fine um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I was a little bit bummed that I didn't get to everything I wanted to watch because this really was so much. Um, but it's, she's kind of like one of those comfort, um, actresses to me. Yeah. She's, she is always mother. She is always yeah. just like playing like this, um, accessible, warm. She, I mean, she kind of is like one of the original blueprints of like the modern rom-com like leading actress uh she's got those huge eyes obviously gorgeous like yeah bombshell big, blonde big cheeks and mm-hmm. it's it's actually it's really funny that you would say that she is the blueprint because it's true because there is a big shift uh 
between the kind of women like you could draw a parallel between our previous subject Marilyn Monroe into Goldie Hawn because the the ideas of womanhood was changing and she is teetering the line there of the like dumb blonde but also she's actually usually really self-sufficient and right you know she's really in control of her own vessel and she's also playing like um for for, and we'll get into it but like this slapsticky like her original character that she breaks through with is very kind of zany has a very specific voice she's putting on so it's very theatrical in a way you know she's put she's putting something on uh and then she like tries to expand out from there and see what else she can do um most people probably know her uh daughter kate hudson who is her fucking copy paste like holy shit (laughs) like i i was watching um overboard with sam past guest on the pod and i was like what's happening daughters like the nepo babies like i was thinking of maya hawk who literally is a little uma thurman sounds (laughs) like her acts like her Kate Hudson, I was like, she studied Goldie and said, I know exactly what I got to do. Because Kate Hudson basically took over the Goldie Hahn yeah. for, like, the, the aughts. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into Goldie. I had a lot of fun watching. Like, this was an episode where I was like, oh, what fun to watch. Uh, these very silly <laughs> Espe- movies. Especially right after the Coen brothers. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> great, great palate cleanser. Um, yes. Uh, we have talked about her a little bit because we watched Shampoo for Warren Beatty. As well uh, as Dollars for Warren Beatty. Yes. Um, a movie that neither of us really remembers and probably won't talk much about. Sorry if you've come here for Dollars Chat. No, we won't We won't do that. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, but anyway, why don't we get into our rewind? Goldie Jean Hahn was born November 21st, 1945. So she is 77 years old. She, I mean, it's, it's crazy that she's close to 80 because she I seems know. so young. She gives off very young vibes always. Yeah, but she's uh, been around for such a long time. Like, oh, absolutely. Talk, talk about like an institution of like Hollywood. Jesus. It's funny that you mentioned like she is mother because she really, and I, and I mean this as the highest compliment in the world. She really reminds me of my Aunt Sharon. My Aunt Sharon is one of those women who's not really an aunt she's Mm. my mom's best friend from high school Mm -hmm. and she's just always been in my life and i love her to death and she's like a very independent lady a big hippie like she's been (laughs) with the same guy for like 40 years and they're not married wow and and like i was she's giving goldie yeah and every time i'm just like goldie han and aunt sharon have a lot in common (laughs) they would be gal palling about they absolutely would be um, Han was born in Washington, D.C. to Laura, a jewelry shop slash dance instructor or dance school owner. I apologize. Um, does that mean she owned a jewelry shop as well as? <laughs> I wonder if like, was it a jewelry shop and a dance school, like one building yeah. that, or was it a set? Like she owned a jewelry shop and a dance school. And a dance school. Either way, I mean, like her dad was a band musician yes edward rutledge han so like we're getting a we're getting a lot of hippie vibes already right off the bat and and he played for like every major event in washington dc um she has a sister who is patty han she's an entertainment an entertainment publicist 
it's just like so, sometimes hard to like wrap your head around that. Like this woman has been around since 1945. Yeah. Really came of age in front of the audience, uh, uh, us, the public in the 60s. Like she – culture has changed so much. Yeah. Um, you know? Uh, and it's funny. I was watching some of the laugh-in stuff she, she did in the 60s and I was like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> the things that they were laughing at back then are really something. Well, we'll get to laugh at in a moment. Um, Her her father was a Presbyterian. Her mother was Jewish. And Han was raised Jewish. So she does consider herself Jewish. Um, She, you know, this is all in Maryland. Um, She began ballet and tap dancing lessons at the age of three. I love dancing. I danced through life. I danced hard since I'm three years old. And I became a professional dancer. She ends up making her stage debut in 1964, playing Juliet in a Virginia Shakespeare Festival production of Romeo and Juliet. Casual. First Casual. big role. No big deal. Juliet. You know. Um, in 64, Han ran and taught in a ballet school. She she had just dropped out of American University. She went to American University in Washington, D.C., and then she was like, not no. for me. No, no, no. I don't, I don't see her as like, it's funny, you know, who, I'm thinking of um, Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, um, was kind of like in the same uh, lane. Obviously, like blonde bombshell, girl next door vibes. Um, but I see Farah. I could as I'm gives me like college girl energy, whereas Goldie gives me hippie girl of the earth energy. You know, like <laughs> she, she's not gonna fuck around with college police. Yeah, she's gonna teach ballet to children in grass fields somewhere. <laughs> And even though she was majoring in drama, I guess it just it wasn't for her, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, she made her professional dancing debut in a production of Can Can at the Texas Pavilion in the New York World's Fair. And she began working as a professional dancer a year later and appeared as a go-go dancer in New York City and at the Peppermint Box in New Jersey. While I was trying to get a Broadway show and stuff like that, I had to earn my living and I ended up you know, do, doing go-go during that period of time, dancing, you know, on tables and pedestals was and pages and... naked? No, I was totally covered up. Oh, I good. Swear to God. Nowadays, when people think go-go, they no, think, like, nude. But naked. there they were nude, too, so I was always declaring the fact that I always had my top on. I was never anybody who danced that way. I found a really interesting audio clip of her talking about, you know, her first audition and a guy basically attempting to assault her. And it was really traumatic, and I'm glad she told that story, but I will not be putting that clip into this episode because it is a clip from Megyn Kelly. So Fuck off, Megyn Kelly. Yeah, so Megyn Kelly, you will not be anywhere near our show. Sorry. Uh, Absolutely not. Sorry. Not. <laughs> no. not sorry. No. So from there, she ends up moving to California to dance in a show at Melody Land Theater, um, which was a th- a theater in the round, which just happened to be across from Disneyland. Some alternate programming. If you couldn't yeah. get it into Disney, come on down <laughs> she, to Melodyland. She also joined the chorus of Pal Joey and How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying during the June 14th to September 1966 season. Um, and then she ends up getting cast on a very short-lived sitcom that lasted one season called Good Morning World from 1967 to 1968. Hey, Linda, I think Larry's in love with me. She really thinks so? I know so. I mean, a single fella just doesn't go around making a single lady his sole beneficiary on his flight insurance unless he's pretty serious about her. Does he? No, he doesn't. 
She was the role of the girlfriend of a radio disc jockey, and she was basically already carving a path as, like, the quote-unquote dumb blonde. Yeah, yeah. Um, Her next role, which you've already mentioned, is uh, on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. She gets worldwide fame, essentially, just from this show. Laugh-In, most of us, most of, I, I shouldn't say us, my dad raised me on a steady diet of anything that he watched as a kid, so <laughs> I have seen Laugh-In. Uh, Laugh-In is essentially kind of a sketch comedy show, but more like family-oriented. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, kind of counterculturally, because it, it was very had very progressive politics, except for when it came to women. And, um, <laughs> right. But, and, and, like, was very sexy and naughty sometimes, too. Like... And essentially, she's she's like a cast member, but she's also doing this dumb blonde character, and that sort of overrides any other character she's playing. And so they ba- they basically just start calling her Goldie Hawn on, they're like, you know, they'll go to segments and they'll be like, here's Goldie trying to explain math. Yeah, yeah. And here's Goldie now trying to explain uh, time zones. There are four time zones in the United States. For instance, if you're having lunch in Chicago, it's breakfast time in California. Of course, if you're in Chicago, you wouldn't feel like breakfast if you're from California because you've just had lunch. However, those living in New York, it's dinner time while we're still eating lunch here in California. She has a very, like, helium-pitched voice, and she's kind of, like, rapid fire, and it's... The comedy is, you know, hearing this beautiful woman really expressive face with like a very crazy voice and kind of talking in circles um and you know she was known for breaking a lot and giggling during sketches and some people like found that endearing others were like fucking goldie she's such a dumb blonde she can't get it together so yeah it's it i am amazed that she was able to um break free from that I yes mean, to like to parlay that into a career in which she expects where she's expected to play other characters yeah that also surprises me because it sounds like the show itself was attempting sort of to hinder her from playing other characters but yeah. i will say her first three films and i do i do think it's it's right to sort of lump them together the one sticks out about the others kind of do really play into that stereotype a lot. So she does, uh, I think, three years of laughing, and then she leaves to go do a movie called Cactus Flower. Cactus Flower is her first big film. She'd already done um, a couple minor things I did not watch. There was, like, some movie where she's an extra, and then she also did the Disney movie. She did the Disney movie, the one and only genuine original family band, which funny enough, is actually where she meets Kurt Russell for the first time. But she's 23 and he's 15. <laughs> right. So, so she's so, like, she's not paying attention to them, that little fucker. Right, Absolutely exactly. Not. And in that movie, she literally plays Giggly Girl. That is the name of the role. I did not watch this movie for yeah. because I know she's only in a couple scenes. She's basically hired to dance. Uh, but fast forward. Oh. But but one funny thing that does happen on that movie is a producer pulls her aside and tells her she should change her name because it sounds like a stripper. He called me and he said, you know, I, I know this is sensitive, but you, you really, your name sounds like a stripper. <laughs> My mother gave me that name. 
That was my that was my great aunt's name, Goldie. And I said, "Oh, I'm not changing my name." But back to Cactus Flower. Uh, Cactus Flower is a film in which she plays the young fiance of Walter Matthau, who's a dentist, and she's also suicidal because she's not happy in her life. And I, you know, this is a movie I I saw a bit ago. Uh, I did not rewatch it for this, but I I remember really liking her performance. Did you get a chance to see Cactus Flower? Yeah. I had never seen it and I watched it for this. What you're missing is that she she thinks that she is the mistress of Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau has told her that he is married and has children. That's right. Um, he does not. It is and, part of some like plot. I mean, the movie is bits, bits, bits. Yeah, uh, because because he his secretary, assistant played by Ingrid Bergman is he like asks her to pretend to be his wife and right and Ingrid Bergman's right. and so good in this movie she's very good in the movie i mean again like the movie is just bits 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 it's really funny um everyone's really good in it um it's very like jealousy love games um everyone's really hot also like <laughs> what if i told you that it's my wife who wants the divorce Oh, God, you mean she found out about us? Let's just say that she wants her freedom, too. Oh. Well, in that case, I'll be proud to marry you. Oh, <laughs> That's great. I mean, she wins a fucking Oscar for it. <laughs> yes, and that's where I'm getting at. Of, of the other two movies that come out after it, this is the one that like really puts her on the map because she wins an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, she is... In London, at the time of the Oscars, shooting her second movie, There's a Girl in My Soup, which I actually think ends up being her third movie, but, but just, you know, shooting, reversing, yep. and whatnot. Um, it gets announced. She gets a phone call in the middle of the night telling her she's won, and she's like, what? Won what? 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 <laughs> What's going on? And and they're like, no, you you won the Oscar. I had no belief that I would ever get it. So in the meantime, I forgot, actually, it was on television that night. So, <laughs> And then I woke up from a phone call at like four in the morning or three in the morning. And it was a man's voice. And he said, hey, congratulations, you got it. And I just awakened from his sleep. And I said, I got what? He said, you got the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. And I went, oh, my God, I, I can't believe it. I, I, I can't believe it. I never saw it until a few weeks ago. I never got dressed up, I never got to pick up the award, but it's been sitting proudly wherever I go. I didn't watch There's a Girl in My Soup, but I did see Butterflies Are Free. Okay, uh, well, There's a Girl in My Soup is bad, and okay. on, honestly, I think uh, Peter Sellers, whom I love, I think his, uh, but has like so many bad spots in his career, so much race makeup and so much, like, but I, I think his true downfall was just his obsession with counterculture. He does so many movies in which he's the straight guy to like a hippie girl. And it's just like, no, yep. none of these are funny. But yeah, so that's, I mean, there's a girl in my soup. There's a couple good scenes, but you're not really missing a terrible amount. Um, The way I just laughed and laughed at Butterflies Are Free. <laughs> it's, I mean, the late 60s, early 70s were just a time where progressive people 
were aggressively like, you're different? That's crazy. I can't believe it. How do you do it? <laughs> the, the amount of times in which... Uh, so the plot of that movie is she moves next door to a young blind man. She's 19. He's like 21. It doesn't actually say what his age is in the film, but you can assume. He's young, yeah. And he falls in love with her, but she's like really flighty. I will say this. That aspect of it, you're absolutely right. Um, it is based on a play. I do think her character is painfully realistic because I know I've met that girl in in <laughs> real life, and that's not a judgment. Like, but I've known people who are j- that like just make really snap decisions, and I'm always yeah. like, how did they do that? <laughs> like, yeah, she's like impulsive and also wants to. I mean, his whole thing is like, don't pity me because I'm blind, right? Um, you know, and she does, and she spends the she, entire she, movie doing it. Yeah, she does, and she's you know being patronizing, and he's like, "You don't have to do any of this. Literally, just go away. <laughs> like it's fine." Um, and instead, she kind of like flaunts this other guy in front of him, and right. his mom she, shows up. Yeah, and- she's she's really doing. It. His mom shows up, and his mom is like big shelter type, but also. Like you, you really. I I think the the characters are fleshed out enough that you really do understand his mom's motivations for that. Like she, yeah. it's she doesn't know any better, and but she she realizes that she does have to let him fly free. But you know the thing with Goldie bringing this other guy in to like fly in front of him, like she's doing that to hurt his mom more yeah. than anybody, which is so mean. <laughs> like yeah, I mean I. I, I this movie is crazy. Like I posted on our Instagram, a clip about like, you better lighten up or you'll turn into a lesbian. Yes. Like <laughs> there is like really outdated things, but like, I think probably for the time the play was pretty, you know, provocative. And in the end, I do think like it is a little, even though it's a very light and fluffy thing, it really puts you in like the hate San Francisco, 1969. Like it was a time and place summer, love all that i think it's so great you're not bitter you don't seem to have any bitterness at all i know i'd be terribly bitter if i couldn't see i know i'd be disagreeable i doubt it oh no i couldn't be cheerful like you i don't have any of those marvelous qualities like courage and fortitude well, neither do I. I'm just naturally adorable. The song "Butterflies Are Free," like they, the way he sings it over and over again. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's uh, a. I I will say, and I found this to be true. I I had a thought process of like, she's in a lot of movies where you're gonna hear a lot of harmonica incorporated into the score, <laughs> like like just wow, crunch, wow. yeah, just you know just. <laughs> She's like a simple gal, okay? Exactly. Like, what do you what do you expect from her? Oh my god, stop! Um, uh, but yeah, butterflies are free, and so are we. Um, uh, but I do I do think that movie's worth watching. I I, re- yeah. I you know, but it's I fun, agree. It's fun. It's, it's fun. It's, it's fun it's but flighty. Fun. It's fun but flighty. Very good. Um, I her next couple films are like a clear. You know, that's also the era in which she did dollars, and once mm-hmm. again, we're probably not. Neither of us remember that. Sorry. No. Um. But our next couple of films was, I feel feel like, was her trying to move out of that reputation. She does The Girl from Petrovka, as well as Steven Spielberg's first film as a theatrical director, The Sugarland Express. Um, I saw both of these movies. Um, yeah. 
I saw The Girl from Petrovka. I want to say I watched a little bit of Sugarland Express. I don't know why I just didn't finish it, but um. Oh wait, maybe I did finish it. I mean, she's like on the run. <laughs> well, she, she's he, on the run. Well, she's on the bus or not a bus. She's trying to get her. Um, she sneaks her husband out of jail because yes. they're trying to get her kid back. Yes. Um. I. I liked Sugarland Express, so it's no slight to it. And I wish there were more chances in her career to play a woman like the woman in Sugarland Express. But I think that movie sacrifices a lot of great character stuff for um, special effects. What they're saying is I'm an unfit mother. You broke out of pre-release? Oh, shut up. Mind your own business. You broke your husband out of pre-release? You're assuming an awful lot for a man your size. Spielberg is so confident as a director, even that early. But it was one of those where, like, oh, I can, I can see your future. Like, I, yeah. I can, like, you know, <laughs> in the crystal path, ball. Exactly. A clear path from that to um, whatever the fuck. Um, the girl from Petrovka really fucking freaked me out. I was like, what? Is it? We're doing accent work. We're doing period <laughs> we work. We're trying to do accent work. I, I, it's like a romance, but like the Soviet espionage thing. It. I'm glad that she tried it. Yes, and I'm glad she never went back. And I, I'm, I'm glad they pa- paired her with Hal Holbrook, who I don't know how much older he was than her, but literally it was like sexy grandpa Hal Holbrook. Who I know because he's the world, like, he was at one point the world's most famous Mark Twain impersonator, and he even spoke at my sister's commencement, like, graduation commencement wow. as Mark Twain, Twain. So, like... Wow. Yeah. That's commitment to the bit. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, girl from Petrovka, she's a ballerina who's in the USSR illegally, doesn't have her papers, trying to get her out. She falls in love with an American journalist. They say a lot of truly mouthpiece stuff to each other where they're just like, yeah, like what your your country does this and, and your country. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is going on here? What does this matter? I don't get it. Yeah. And like the, the it's such a fucking cheesy movie because like the very end, he's like, and that's the last I saw of the girl from Petrovka <laughs> credits. I was like, okay. <laughs> They send her to like a fucking labor camp. <laughs> yeah. In the movie, in the movie, they're like, "We sentenced you to five years of hard labor," and she's like, "And you know, she's kind of like sad." And then all this journalist does is stands up in court and says, "No," <laughs> and not even like, and, and and that's the exact level. Not like a he just he's not fighting to get up there. He's not like try, he's just like it's like a delay of five seconds, and then he stands up very calmly and says, "No." And then that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not great. Um, not great. I think 75 kind of comes around and, and changes things for her. Uh, 75, she does Hal Ashby's shampoo. As you mentioned, we talked about this before in a Warren Beatty episode. This is a really good adult performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, what I was saying about Sugarland Express, where I wish she could have played more women like that in her. I feel like shampoo also has elements of that where it's like can be seen as sort of a flighty character like she's given all the trappings of a normal goldie character but there's a lot of depth there and there's a lot of pain there she's plays uh warren Beatty's girlfriend he's a hairdresser who is a serial (laughs) cheater 
essentially yeah. he he sleeps with every one of his clients and she's kind of like, like let me cut your hair and then fuck you a little yeah bit. <laughs> um much like if you've ever been to a salon everybody knows that's yes, what happens yeah, that's... every hairdresser these it's play- crazy these these players these they just, just... <laughs> can't believe um <laughs> yeah, I, I I like her performance in Shampoo a lot, and it, it's a t- I the rest of the cast. It's a stacked cast, mm-hmm. and she really holds her own. Yeah, I mean, I think she's. It feels like uh, she's gone through this transformation of you know from just doing the giggly dumb blonde thing into a more sophisticated version of herself. She's also you know moving away from like, I mean, in those first three movies, she's still doing the high pitched. Thing. Yeah. She's still, you know, and so she's, I think she's still settling into who she is, but also like she's, she's becoming older, like she's maturing as a person, I think. Um, it's funny, she like said in an interview about like, she, she was like in the room with like these filmmakers. And she was like, I was not afraid to talk back, um, to give my opinion. Um, and she was, I don't know, she said that like, she I guess some men perhaps said that she was difficult to work with because she was always talking, like, you know, voicing her opinion. The problem wasn't the no. The problem was the trepidation, really, of other male directors wanting to work with me because they thought that I would want to take over. Movies are inherently a collaborative Collaborative. experience. Yeah. Yes, they they don't happen in a vacuum. Hello? No. Um, she does two big uh, TV specials throughout the seventies. She does pure Goldie in 1971 early on in that like film cycle, but then she also does the Goldie Hawn special in 1978. Uh, I feel like people don't know this doesn't happen anymore, but essentially like if you were a Hollywood celebrity and you could sing, dance and act, you got your own variety show for like a special show. Yeah. I mean, there were people know about, we've talked about Cher on the show before. Cher had several variety shows, a weekly one, Carol Burnett, you know, but you could yeah. basically get like a Thursday night special, you know, one hour thing. And yeah. she was doing that. The closest um, we have to that was like my Rudolph had one. Yeah. You know, and then, um, Earlier than that, Jessica Simpson had one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about the Jessica Simpson one. Oh, God man. Bless. What, what God time. bless. What a time. What a time to be alive. Um, one year after Shampoo, she does a romantic comedy western called The Duchess and the Dirtwater Fox. Um, I did. I watched about 20 minutes of this. This was the last thing I was trying to watch. And I was just like, I don't have time. Um, Didn't get to it. So sorry, Duchess. It's. No, uh, it's exists okay (laughs) um okay but also she's and we haven't got we haven't really talked about her personal life uh she's on her second husband (laughs) currently (laughs) and having a kid she she's having a son uh so let me rewind just a tiny bit she marries her first husband gus traconis in 1969 they stay together until 1976 so this is it's a pretty long relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Hudson, who I think is most people know is her husband because of Kate Hudson. Uh, she's with Bill Hudson from 1976 to 1982. She has two kids with Bill Hudson, Oliver Hudson and Kate Hudson. Oliver Hudson is also an actor. He just happens to not be a clone of Goldie. 
Yeah, he honestly he looks like fucking Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, which is weird. Which is weird because he's not. <laughs> um, yeah, she was busy in the seventies, girl. Like, yeah, on, on on set and off. Okay, I mean she was hot. She was it. And and her special gets nominated for an Emmy, uh, and she decides to to go back to film. To like try and mount a comeback, and the first film she does is Foul Play, 1978 with Chevy Chase. This is kind of a kind of a whodunit. Kind yeah, of. It, it's a it's a Hitchcock send up, and and so like, uh, and it I would say the first half of it is really good, and basically, <laughs> I don't want to lay the blame all on Chevy Chase, but once Chevy Chase becomes pivotal to the plot. <laughs> starts to suck <laughs> like what's wild is i mean i remember i watched this but chevy feels very ancillary for a big part of this movie like yeah. he's he's just the cop you know yeah. like uh and, it, and it's very it's very funny at and it like i think it mostly works and most of the like hitchcock's but but then like the last half of the movie just moves so far into slapstick. Yeah. Like, I love the, like, weird plot about replacing the Pope and, like, it's... Uh, replacing <laughs> replacing a bi- bishop to kill the Pope. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, and who's the, like, really horny guy who she keeps running into? I feel like... Oh, Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore. And she, he keeps running into this man who... This poor man who, like, is... He's just playing for laughs. But yeah. really, this is just the man who... Knows what he likes. Yeah. And, is, and and I will say, he's not a fucking creep. He's like, you know, going through all the right channels to get his rocks off. And he just keeps fucking running into trouble because Goldie <laughs> Hawn is always fucking around. Do you have any binoculars? What's that? Binoculars? Are you into that too? Me as well. I, I read about it in Penthouse. Just a second. I love Dudley Moore. I absolutely love Dudley Moore. But... Dudley Moore was like a weird comedy sex symbol in the in the 70s and 80s. And honestly, if you're listening out there and you think to yourself, I can't get laid. Say to yourself, please, Dudley Moore was constantly getting laid. If he can, you can, too. Don't you worry about it. Absolutely. It's okay though, because the next film she does, 1979's uh, Lovers and Liars, is a complete box office bomb. It's the only foreign film she's ever done. And it's, it's an Italian film, but it's all in English. I tried watching it and I was like, this looks like it's a VHS rip. Yeah. I was like, it looks like the most TV movie. I've. (laughs) And so I I was like, I'm going to protect myself, my heart, live, love, love. No, thank you. Uh, But it's wild because foul play was such a big hit. Yeah. Um, And I mean, like I said, like they basically were pairing her with all the hot dudes and Chevy Chase was one of those hot dudes in the seventies. Um, and, and then to go from that to lovers and liars, which just like was a big old, like you said, nothing burger. Um, yeah. I wish, it, I wish it was something, you know, it, and it is one of those, like, I don't know. There's, there's a very like seventies Italian scene where Giancarlo, Giancarlo Giannini like drives her to a secluded spot. Cause she's falling asleep in his, car and he like he attempts to like put the moves on her while she's sleeping and she's Uh, like yeah and she's like nope (laughs) like absolutely not hello Uh, i'm literally sleeping yeah i was like "Mm, yeah and i was like this is our hero but um anyways uh listen though she's she's truly like dibbling and dabbling about 
she will not be constrained to film. 72, she released an album called uh, Goldie. Goldie. It's a country album. She covers a Dolly Parton song on it. I, I found a, a thing where Dolly was talking about Goldie Hawn calling her and being like, you know, I'd, I'd really like to do one of your songs. Like, um, would you let me? And Dolly Parton literally said to her, of course I'll let you. You're the girl from laughing. Wow. <laughs> blondes helping blondes. Exactly. Um, and Dolly produces that album too, I believe. So like, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, she also has a big, a big 1980 TV special with Liza Minnelli. Goldie and Liza Casual. together. You can you find can you it on... Can you fucking imagine? Can you fucking imagine? Yeah. Wow. You can find it on YouTube. It's out there, but it's fun. Okay. They they, they, a... they do um all that jazz Qua- in it, too. They do quaaludes? They do quaaludes. <laughs> they said, hit those quaaludes, babe, and let's roll. That gets nominated for four Emmys. So it was a, it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, Pop off. Also in the same year, she takes the role, the lead role in Private Benjamin. And I this movie changes her career, truly. Yeah. This this is the change that she has been waiting for. It's also her first movie as a producer. Um, she becomes an executive producer. She has said she didn't do it for any reason other than financial, and that she just wanted to have a little more control. But the underlying truth of that is, is she wanted better roles. She didn't yeah. want to be the girlfriend. She didn't want to be the guy that Giancarlo Giannini is waking up by t- attempting to assault yeah. her. She, I'm practical, so it was never the idea of wanting to have control. It was a decision uh, that was basically, for me, financial, and I didn't know why we needed to pay a big producer. I made movies about women that mattered. It really is about regaining your own power, your personal power. So she gets the script from her friend, Nancy Myers. So not a single giant kitchen to be seen in this film. No, truly, uh, <laughs> uh, this is an anomaly. Um. <laughs> um, but uh, Myers has said that she can she could recall Han's reaction when she first described the idea to Goldie Hawn. She said, quote, it was like watching the greatest audience I've ever seen. She laughed and then she got real emotional and her eyes would fill up with tears. She loved the image of herself in an army uniform and she loved what the movie had to say. Um, the film also stars Eileen Brennan, Armand Desante. She gets her second Academy Award nomination for Best Actress. This is a movie where uh, she plays a Jewish woman whose husband has decided it's her second husband. She's a woman who basically wanted to be pampered her whole life, and she gets tricked into joining the army by a recruiter who's like, well, it's basically like going to a, a spa. Yeah, is it, it's wild because like they're like fucking on their wedding night, yes. and she hate and she hates it. By the way, she's like, okay, whatever, um, and. But she's still like very grief stricken by his death, obviously. Um, and yeah, like this, she's she's the whole idea of like keeping up with the Joneses and you know being this woman of society, and she really just wants to get away. And this re- army recruiter is like, take a spa vacation break um, and join the fucking military. 
Um, what I love about this movie is that like she doesn't. It's not like she ever forsakes her femininity. It's not like uh, even though it, like the joke obviously is that this pampered woman is in this like very tough military whatever. It's this I the vision of seeing her flounce about <laughs> through the um uh, God like the, the the obstacle course. Is that that is high camp? Like if we yeah. ever if we ever lose sight of what camp is, it is Goldie Hawn doing an obstacle course in Private Benjamin. I it's funny the original director of this movie quit. He quit a couple weeks in, and he apparently quit because he thought the movie was anti-Semitic. Oh. Be- and Goldie Hawn literally had to be like, "I'm Jewish. Like what? <laughs> like what are you talking about?" So they, she tells the story of like marching into essentially the commissary at the studio and seeing a director that she knew, and it was like, "Do you want to direct a movie?" Um, you busy, babe? Or, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a big hit. It's like one of the biggest hits of her career. Um, I had some issues with it, but I think I'd never seen it, and I think I'd wrongly judged it as being like as a kid i was i remember seeing it on tv a lot and being like that sounds boring Hmm. like an army movie boring and uh but i i think it's actually very funny and and like a lot of it is really really funny i do think we could do with maybe one less montage maybe we don't maybe we don't need yeah 40 montages in the movie yeah i i had never seen it either but um it it does feel like one of those special movies that like is able to break out of you know the kind of garbage machine of hollywood where it's like this could very easily be something that's very um you know reductive but i I, and and it all it kind of hinges on like her star power like she is able to play and we'll see this throughout her career she's able to play these women who are very high society, very uppity, but still so immensely lovable. Uh, yes. And that's, and that is, that's a fucking talent. I also think the other thing that's kind of interesting is, you know, she was so accused by a lot of women. It's exactly what you were talking about early on by a lot of women as being sort of bad for the image of women because she played the dumb blonde. She played the giggly girl, but then she's doing these movies about women who are not in traditional places. You you have this, the army during the 70s. Then you have, you know, one of her next films is Wildcats, which is a couple ways down. Swing Shift. These are all women in positions that men don't see them in often. Right. And so it feels quite contradictory to the the idea of that she's sort of anti-feminist. I do want to mention her next couple of films. She did Seems Like Old Times in 1980, uh, which was written by Neil Simon. One of the only Neil Simon properties that wasn't a play to begin with. It was it hmm. was a screenplay. And Best Friends in 1982, which was written by Valerie Curtin and Barry Levinson. Um, Again, back with Chevy Chase and then with fucking um, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Uh, the Hot, Hot, Hots. I actually really liked both these. Both these movies are very different. Um, but I thought seems like old times was very funny, very slight, very, and a lot of the critics really nailed it 
at the, when it came out for that, they're like, none of these characters are very real at all. And it was like, this is the movie you want real characters in. <laughs> um, though she is a district attorney or the, no, she's a lawyer in that. She's a lawyer in that. Yeah. Uh, her husband's a district attorney, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, and then best friends I thought was really, really sweet. That was actually one of the last ones I watched for this. Um, I love that poster. Uh, these two, I didn't get around to, I watched the next two. Um, but yeah, I, it's funny because some of these, her character is very, she's in her rom-com girly era. Like she's, yes. she's being goldie. Um, it's, and I mean, and like, it's the sweet spot, you know? Um, so I, I, I'm not surprised that like you were charmed by these because I think this era, she's very like, she, <laughs> everything has come together. Like it, it and, and she's not like pushing herself really. Like I don't think no. any of this is like, you know. I I think the closest she gets to pushing herself is best friends of the of those because it is a a more complex character. Um, there's a real melancholy to best friends hmm. that that you don't see in a lot of these other films. I'm on my honeymoon. I want to sleep with my wife. Honey, we can sleep together when we get to your folks' house. Are you crazy? That's a week from now. I know, I know it sounds crazy, but if we slept in the same room, my parents would think we were having sex. <gasps> really? You're acting like a teenager. Well, this is my teenage room. This isn't a room for sexual relations. It's a room for slumber parties. Uh, the next couple that you did mention, Protocol in 1984, which was co-written by Nancy Myers, and Wildcats in 1986. She was an executive producer on both of those. And then... Um, in between those two, she does Swing Shift in 1984. Um, I saw Protocol. I saw all three of these. Yep. I hated Protocol. Um, I, I liked Wildcats. I think Wildcats is very simple. Uh, Wildcats is like early uh, Disney movie. Yes. You know? Yeah, like yeah. A Disney Channel movie. It's, it's a Disney Channel movie where they can say fuck. Yes. And and also like Wesley Snipes is so hot. Um y- like young Wesley Snipes but like still too old to be a high schooler. Um yes. yeah, same with Woody Harrelson. I was Woody like Harrelson. I, was I was like, like Woody like, Harrelson you were not a teenager. Yeah, it's like it's Goldie Hawn and all these 25-year-olds being like I'm 17. Um, I, had their- to, I had to constantly remind myself through the movie that they were teenagers. I had to be like wait, high schoolers. <laughs> right but also i mean again i will say like in wildcats it would be very easy for her to not be she's like um a single mom and she like not only is a single mom but her ex is still part of her life and her ex is married like they really go out of the way to make this um kind of a modern family like it's it it's more complicated than um i think like a a, a movie with like less on its mind um was tempted to go for so I I, I like that. Um, I thought Protocol was very silly in like kind of a um, it's very like propaganda nonsense, but also I kind of liked it. Ah! Oh no! I mean, I I get it. I just it's the whole thing of like I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm an American. Yeah, and I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say, and. It it works coming out of her mouth because it's fucking Goldie Hawn, right? And like the whole movie, like all these politicians around her are like, oh my god, we need to like use her to our, you know, to our benefit, right? And, and like it just the people that 
unfortunately, the people that do say that now, like I'm not a Republican, it's like are the worst fucking people. I, I think I think there's a. This is not me telling tales out of school, and I'm saying this in a way that's not libelous. I think there's a kernel of truth to that in Goldie Hawn's life because I have heard on the DL that like Kurt Russell hangs out with a very prominent Fox News guy. Okay, and, well, and and it like says that you know he won't ever go on his show because he doesn't want to ruin his career. Of course, but, like so. I I do wonder if there's part of my other big thing. You're very right. That was a big turnoff for me for Protocol. My other big thing is the the movie goes out of its way to present a really positive portrayal of a gay relationship. Yes, she she lives with a gay couple. And they are presented basically in the most heteronormative way I've seen yep. in, a, in a film from that era ever. Yep. On the flip side of that, it is so offensive to Middle East. Like, I, the I Middle would, Easterners, would... like, they literally, they're not even speaking a language in that movie. There is a scene where they speak, the characters speak, and it's literal gibberish. It is not a language. Yeah, they they definitely are um, trading on lots of stereotypes and tropes. I mean, they, she works at a or before she becomes like this big shot political person, she works at a bar, where, and like there's a moment where there's a bunch of like Japanese oh, yeah, businessmen there, yeah. and there's the Middle Eastern guys are there, and they're serving sushi, and like they're like, yeah, don't you know, like, and, and those, all the all the Asian guys know martial arts, and like. Yeah. Yeah, it's your run-of-the-mill um, gay Asian Japanese sushi bar. They, they yes. say something, and I I did laugh at that. Um, I will say. <laughs> well, that's a funny line. Like that's yeah. not that's not as problematic. Like but yeah, it is a problematic. I mean, the, the movie is essentially like, did you know that the government was tricking you into getting married to these Middle Eastern people so right. that they could like or or like the scene where you know there there's a really great movie called Born Yesterday that Judy Holiday won her Oscar for. And if you have not seen it, I highly recommend seeing it. And Judy Holiday was Goldie Hawn's idol. Mm. And I think the reason she did this movie is there's a scene basically ripped from Born Yesterday, where she reads the Constitution yeah. to, two, to two women from this Middle Eastern country. And it changes her attitude. I will the say... The same thing happens in Born Yesterday. And so, like... Like, I can't falter. I'm sure, like, that's, like, catnip to Goldie Hawn. Yeah. I will say, I do think, like, the end of this movie, like, for all, like, its offenses, which there are many, the ending of this movie, she's like, you know, she gets into this legal, political trouble. She takes responsibility for what has happened. And I do like the message of, like, she's like, no, it it, it is not, you know, these politicians' fault. It's my fault. I was not... A well-informed citizen and you know and sh- and so like that whole thing of like reading the constitution she says i had never read the constitution before i didn't know any of this shit you know and right. so i did i did like the turnaround of the message of like yes politicians are fucked and like they are assholes but like also it takes an engaged and informed um like community of people to put them in power to take that power back um, you know, and in the end, she like wins this race to become like a representative or whatever. Um, so like, I, th- th- I think there are things to like there. Um, it's very a movie of its time, but um, also huge grain of salt because it's problematic for sure. I never read the Declaration of Independence. 
But I know they had. The ones we're talking about, the experts, they all read it. They just forgot what it was about. That it's about we the people. And that's me. I'm we the people. And you're we the people. And all of us, we're all we the people, right? So when they sell me that 10 cent diamond or down the river or, or to some guy who wears a lot of medals, that means they're selling all of us, all of we the people. Did you see... You I saw did... Swing Shift. I, and uh, I... Kurt Russell, he's back, back, back again. <laughs> so this is where they really meet um, and and start to fall in love, essentially. He's so handsome in this movie and she's so cute. Um, my beloved Holly Hunter makes a little tick yes. spot in this. Well, okay. Let's let's get into Swing Shift if we're going to. Okay. Um, I spent the whole movie going, this movie was directed by Jonathan Demme? This doesn't feel like a Jonathan Demme movie. <laughs> and so I was I was trying to figure out, you know, what what it was, like, why wasn't it working for me? And then I found out that this movie has a very famous history of tinkering. Essentially, mm. Jonathan Demme made one film and Goldie Hawn didn't like it. And oh. because she was the producer on it, or one of the producers, and very protective over the person that she is, she decided that they should go back and direct a bunch of scenes to make her seem more sympathetic, and also cut Christine Lottie out of the movie a little bit, because she felt Christine Lottie was getting a little more screen time than she was. Oh, um, shit. Th- this kind of really destabilizes the movie in my opinion and i i don't want to be like oh because i knew all this going in i didn't i i literally only found out about this after watching the movie and was kind of like yeah they got like i was like kurt russell and her and goldie have great chemistry and ed harris is weirdly very hot in this movie yeah <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh and i liked bits of it but i was like it doesn't make sense it doesn't and essentially, yeah, she like got the movie taken away from Jonathan Demi, and they made a bunch of scenes. And in the process, it cut down Christine Lottie's role a bit. It basically removed almost all of Holly Hunter's role. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it's I don't know. It just it it feels messy to me. And it's an interesting thing because I read this really great article. Uh, that was written in 2017 by Steve Vinberg for BFI called Swing Shift, The Unmaking of a Masterpiece. Hmm. And and he wrote it at, after Jonathan Demi had passed away. Essentially being like, this, it was the wrong move for Goldie Hawn because like this was a complicated female role and she kind of takes the soul out of it. And had there been more bits like this in her career then maybe she wouldn't just be seen as a comedic actress. And I think that's a really interesting thing because it really did color the way I looked at everything else going into. And I'm not saying there's, she did anything bad. I think it's awesome that she started producing her own work very early on in her career. There's a lot of actresses who don't get that opportunity at all. But I also think she let audiences put her in a box and she didn't ever want to do anything to disturb that box. Right. Um, one of the things I... So the director cut of Swing Shift is out there, but it's a, it's a mess. It's literally a work print uh, recorded off of a VHS. 
I have a copy of it. I'm going to watch it at some point. But uh, I've read about like how there's a really great scene between her and Kurt Russell where she like where he keeps pursuing her and she's like, I'm married. Don't you understand that? In the original cut, that happens after they've already slept together. So that's it? It's wrong. Come on, Kay. It's your own life. You got a right to be happy. I can't. I'm married. Don't you understand that? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like, the movie does go out of its way to be like, no, 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 this is bad. And, like, is she very, I mean, the fight that they have where it's like, I'm married and I'm going to stay with the guy. Like, it it's that classic thing of, like, you know, we're trying to tell a complicated story, um, but there's just no way that Goldie Hawn was going to let, like, her character be fucking around on her army husband, like, while he's right. in war. Hello? Right. And and so I, I think, like, I think there is a good movie there, and I think, unfortunately, um, it's messy to me. It's not like, it's not, I don't want anybody to be, like, I, I still think there's good stuff in it, and I, I do really like, like, the little bit of Holly Hunter that we get and everything. She's so uh, good in that one scene where they tell her her husband's died. Yeah. She's so good. Like, in that, I mean, that's probably her biggest scene. He still became a very famous director, and, I, you know, I don't think it hurt his career, but I'm sure it was a, a major learning lesson for yeah, everybody for sure. involved. Yeah, totally. Um, 1985, she does the cover of Playboy. At 39 years old, baby. Hat. Um, and then she rounds out the 80s by doing another film with Kurt Russell called Overboard in 1987. My God. Over- when I tell you Overboard was on at my house so much as a kid. So much I, as a kid. I'd never seen this movie before. Oh, really? Had I? And it's funny. I was like, do I know what this movie's about? And then I was like, oh, yeah. So, so she loses her memory and like it's kind of like a class i knew that there's a class thing that's going to happen i did not know and i don't think i've ever seen a movie where like someone loses their memory but is still the same person yes <laughs> like it's not like i was thinking about you know the shitty christmas Lindsay lohan movie where like yes. she completely I knew, I, knew you were gonna, I knew you were gonna bring it up <laughs> well, well i was like typically in this in movies with this bit where like i bonked my head and i've i'm completely transformed in this, she is the same person. Yeah. Which is like a rich bitch, emphasis on the bitch. Um, and But literally the only thing she forgets is her name. Yeah. Um, well, not, I mean, I guess not her. I mean, she forgets who, I don't even know how to fucking explain it because she doesn't remember, <laughs> she doesn't it's, remember the people. It's she, very tenuous. It's very. She's like, this isn't right. What are you doing with me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> where, where are my clothes? And, like, she's still very much, like, living or wants to live this, like, high society gal life, but doesn't remember anything else. Um, and then it just fully turns into a horror movie. I, I it truly, It truly does. I, I said, will, this is Gaslighter Denier the movie. I will admit, the thing that surprised me the most watching it as an adult is, I mean, it is horrific the plot um kurt russell basically like kidnaps her and tells her that she's his dead wife and and And, that is a mother of his four four children yeah and then makes her do so much housework and basically makes makes her a slave he literally says the words i have a slave now yeah he says that and and all this because 
he did work on her boat. She didn't like it. I didn't pay him the six hundred. So she I was also like, she also threw him off the boat and ruined his tools. Which right. I'm not saying it's right to enslave somebody for no, no, that. No, yeah. but. but like I was like I was like, why is he doing this? And then he says something to the effect of like, oh well, I'll just like have her around for a month until she pays off her debt. And so I was like, in his head, he's owed the six hundred dollars for his work, and so he's going to make her do housework right to pay and i was like he's he's a bad person (laughs) i was like what's the end game babe how do you stick this landing how do you like be like thank you so much your debt has paid off goodbye to you like what how do you do that oh god this is the happiest day of my life oh thank you thank you for bringing me here and making me a wife and a mother and why did you do that I know why. You're that sweaty carpenter who hates me. And these are your children, and you made me believe them. Oh, God. Sam was like, this is giving incel vibes. Like, this is... um... And I was thinking of, like... Because this movie was a big success, right? Yeah. Yeah, people loved it. Huge success in in the eighties, late eighties. Um, Gary I was thinking, Marshall directed it. Ga- like, Gary yeah. Marshall. Um, I was trying to think like who is this for? How did people? How would people react to this? And why is it like such a big? How did we look past that even then to like look past beyond this like kind of crazy plot? And what I realized was it's not about, um, you know, like the the movie isn't really about like oh you know Goldie's transformed and she likes being a mom now even though that is nefarious because the nefarious of this movie is that like no matter what a woman will love to become a mother and like love to be a housewife and love like but i think people like this movie at the time because it is a takedown of the quote-unquote elite um it is about how your life is actually so much better when you are in a loving family and like, you know, living a simple life and look how ridiculous these rich people are. Aren't they ridiculous and assholes and like, right. Which is funny because it's the late eighties. It's like Ronald Reaganism. It's that's what rich, this is, this has always been the case, but that's what rich people will always tell you how bad other rich people are and how important it is for you to not be them. So you will continue to do the work for them. Right. I mean, like, and that's, again, like, why there's like, this kind of seedy underbelly of this movie. It's like this huge Hollywood movie is going out of its way to tell you, like, you poor people actually have it great. Yes. And you should just love, you know, she literally. This these is. Ki- these this children is, are monsters. This and- is why I believe those rumors about Kurosawa. <laughs> but that's. Yeah, I was kind of horrified. Um, there, <laughs> there are some funny moments for sure. Um, I'm not immune to the charms of this movie, but like, I can't imagine any person living in today's um, world and being like, ha ha ha, what a lovely slight movie. Like, oh, yeah, it's problematic. Yeah. And uh, listen, I, I think there's a lot of that in her career. <laughs> But yeah, this movie, like, I'm glad you did the psychological deep dive on it. I'm going to breeze through a lot of the early 90s. I think that's for the best for us. She does Bird on a Wire with Mel Gibson. Clearly should should have been another Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn movie. It's 
fine, whatever, action-y. She sleeps in a fucking negligee that I was like, no human alive sleeps in that. Um, has a great final set piece set inside of a zoo. Also, um, Mel Gibson playing a little bit gay for like a hot minute. Yeah. I was yeah. like... You get to see... I. This is the thing that shocked me the most about Burn on the Wire. Um, also, just a quick sidebar from my childhood. There's a VHS I remember distinctly growing up that had um bird on a wire uh total recall and narrow margin and i had never seen bird on a wire or narrow margin but i would always watch total recall which was in the <laughs> middle um we taped stuff off tv a lot okay. um, the they pulled down his pants at one point to get uh a bullet bullets. out of it yeah yep. bullets and his ass is so hairy. He has a hairy I, butt. And I was shocked. I've, I was like, this is the 90s. I figured somebody would have, like, waxed that. But I guess it was probably, because it was Mel Gibson, he was probably like, that's not manly. I'm not getting waxed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was I was like, why do people like Mel Gibson? And then he's literally in his underwear for, like, a good portion yeah. of this movie. And I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Sure. Bad person. You, you, very, you, very oh, bad yeah. person. Oh, I was, yeah. I was like... I was like, are you excusing his anti-Semitism, his sexism, no, Louis? <laughs> no, no, he's very... Well, that's the reason. I was like, why did we like him so much? Like, why? And, and I was like, oh, he's aggressively hot. Sure. Um, in, in 91, she also does Dece- Deceived, which is a thriller. Um, the drama Crisscross. Yeah. Um, she also does House Sitter with Steve Martin. And I think the movie that most people would expect us to talk about, Death Becomes Her in 1992. Um I saw before I, before Death Becomes Her. She's in her thriller era. Yeah, fully. I didn't see Crisscross. Um, oh, I wanted I saw, to. I saw I saw Crisscross. Baby, it's. <laughs> did you did you see Deceived though? Oh, oh, I absolutely did. Deceived is, I think Deceived is the proof that like when you take her out of her element, it's less fun because she doesn't have access to all of the the tricks that she's so good at. And so she's really kind of boring and deceived. And then deceived has the f- most hilarious last 20 minutes I've ever seen in a thriller movie. <laughs> I couldn't she, believe the way he died. She, I mean, even before he dies, she literally, so he's like forcing her to kiss him. This is her husband. Who's also not her husband. Also was pretending to be dead. Um, she pulls a knife out of her coat and stabs him and runs out of the house and then locks the front door from the outside? the outside yeah, yeah. and he can't get out and i was like turn that's the fucking how, lock <laughs> that's not how doors work that's yeah there's i mean i i will say maybe it's because i watched all these in a very compressed amount of time i was like this is a nice shake-up from yes yeah. um you know i mean it's very distinct because it's perhaps her most true thriller where like something is afoot um I love that, like, she just thinks he's having an affair, but it's like, no, this is not the person you think he is. Um, By the way, the fancy restaurant that she meets him in at the beginning, the exterior of that, because they shot it all in New York City, I was like, that is absolutely the underground pizzeria Uno's that used to be at the end of my block when I lived in Bay Ridge. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I was like, that's 100% the pizzeria Uno. (laughs) Ever been to pizzeria Uno? That's where you have, I mean. Super fancy. Super fancy, yeah. Um, a very silly, doesn't make sense movie at all. Yeah, no. And then obviously Death Becomes Her. I mean, how many times have we talked about Death Becomes Her on this show? A Robert Zemeckis episode. <sighs> yeah, uh, yeah. 
amazing. She's having so much fun. I I watched it again just to like really zone in on her. And I was like, God, she must have been having a blast. Just, I mean, she gets to play this character up and down and sideways and just like really over the top, um, really dramatic, really funny, just like nailing everything. Um, So, so rude too. like, she's just a girl, Ernest, a Mm -hmm. girl from Newark for Christ's sakes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I love this mode and it is absolutely a mode she rarely gets to play. And what's fun is it's a film full of bad people. So you don't have to really feel bad for playing a bad person. And I think that's maybe what sold her on it was because she doesn't really play bad people in movies. Right. Right. Uh, But I think this being a film in which everybody's an asshole, she was like, okay, well I'll join the fun. Yeah. I mean, and she's, across Meryl like it's Fucking just Meryl Streep yeah it's I mean it, it kind My of new cements, best friend. <laughs> it, yeah, it kind of cements her like in the pantheon right like yeah it's, she's and it death becomes her becomes this cult classic um yeah it's 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 wild because for as much as she was a 60s it girl she's had all these successes in the 70s and 80s the night I mean it just keeps rolling you know yeah. it really just keeps fucking rolling well, I mean, you know, she starts producing her own movies that she's not even in. She produced Something to Talk About, starring Julia Roberts. She directs a movie called Hope in 1997, starring Christine Lottie and Jenna Malone. Uh, that was a TV movie. And then, of course, of course, First Wives Club, 1996. Uh, Bet, Diane Keaton, mm-hmm. Goldie Hawn. We talk about this in our Diane Keaton episode. And I just realized, if looking at the poster, if you haven't seen the poster and you've only seen the movie, you would say that Diane Keaton is the lead of this movie. Um, but on the poster, Goldie is in the middle. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a couple things. Like, she has the blonde hair to break up the two brunettes. But also, I think she had, like, the megawatt um, star power behind her. Um, and she kind of gets to riff on herself. You know? Yeah, though that's absolutely what it is. She gets to play the nightmare version of Goldie Hawn. There's, you know, what's the famous line? There's only three roles for women in Hollywood, which is the the bombshell, the district attorney, and the and driving uh, Miss Daisy. Daisy. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> like, I'm an actress. I have all the emotions. Oh my god, that scene is my favorite. You think just because I'm a movie star, I don't have feelings. Well, you're wrong. I do have feelings. I'm an actress. I have all of them. Well, I wouldn't understand. You see, I'm just a poor little housewife in a little apron with a little child to raise. Yeah, well, you were always jealous of me, even in college, because I was blonde and beautiful and talented, and I could have any guy I wanted, and did, every guy, most of the senior class and half the faculty. Well, uh, it was the 60s. So funny. Huge lips, just full of poison. I know. (laughs) and i i think like this movie and death becomes her are like in conversation with each other because they are starring these like some of our greatest (laughs) actresses of the time who are kind of taking the piss um you know death becomes her is literally a satire on you know the way people are obsessed with body image and the things they do to live forever and look young this movie, her character is 
hitting the same things over the head. She's getting to, I mean, in this, by this time, she's like in her 40s, creeping on 50s. Yes. Like, I'm sure she's fucking like, Hollywood is not getting better for me, gals, you know? Um, but <laughs> she, it, it, you know, she said that. She said it was incredibly hard being an aging actress and she was aware of what was happening. And so she was like, what am I going to, she's like, I'm either going to continue this uphill battle or I should take time off and spend it with my family. An aging actress is a very tough thing. And it was never anything that I wanted to be a part of. Not because I didn't want to age because we do all of us, but because I wanted life to be fuller. I just like that both those movies kind of let us know also like she's not taking herself too seriously, which I like. Absolutely. Um, yeah, she love her in uh, in First Boss Club. She so also, good. She also does Everyone Says I Love You in 1996, Woody Allen musical. Um, I've seen it before. Uh, I'm sticking to my no new Woody <laughs> Allen movies for the podcast, so I did not rewatch it. I had never seen this movie. I did not know it was a Woody Allen movie. What a swing. Yeah. I, 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 I really like it. That's the worst bit. The the moment where she's dancing with is it it's with fucking Woody Allen right yeah and she's flying yeah like I was like what is going on Drew Barrymore like Natasha Leone who is our narrator a very weird bizarre movie that is Natalie Portman s- too right yes as the yeah. the younger sister this movie is directly aimed at like the Democrats. At the time, who lived like I don't know in the fucking village or something. Like, <laughs> I just I I was like, who is this movie for? Because the, it's such a specific. It's not like neurotic enough to be like one of like Woody Allen's like go to movies. It's kind of like his lightest, fluffiest, silliest. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I, I don't was, know if it's silly. You got to check out some of those very early seventies movies. If well, you want for to, sure, sure. not silly. I but like just but, kind of but like I understand optimistic. What, yeah. She does Town and Country uh, in 2001, Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton. So she gets to star with people that she's been in before. Um, One of the worst disasters in film. We've talked about it. Uh, We talked about it for Warren Beatty. We also talked about it for another reason. I can't remember. I am never sitting through that movie again. You can't make me. No. (laughs) And so, yeah, Town and Country, real bad. Um, bad. 2002, The Banger Sisters, which I had not seen uh until this and was kind of like this is fun this is yeah. fine it's yeah. a very light movie she she plays a woman who works at a bar who gets fired and goes to reconnect with uh her friend played by Susan Sarandon who they were like roadies when they were younger and Susan Sarandon has become this kind of middle-aged conservative woman with two daughters um for a really brief second because I didn't see um Erica Christensen's name in the opening credits I was like is this Kate Hudson? And then I was like, no, 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 it's, it's not. Yeah. Um, uh, the, yeah, it's a slight little fluffy thing. Cute. I like her performance in that movie a lot. Goldie. Uh, I, I, this is another case of, I wish there'd been more of this in her career because there's, a, there's a lot of freedom there. And I, I like that kind of edgier. Yep. Yeah. Um, takes a long time off. She releases an autobiography, a Lotus grows in the mud in 2005 and basically steps away from making movies for 12 years. Um, She comes back in 2017 to play Amy Schumer's mother in the movie snatched. 
Um, I watched this for our Joan Cusack episode. I did not feel like rewatching this. I'm sorry for anybody who's disappointed in that. Um, have I you watched seen... about 30 minutes of it before we got onto this, and I was like, I think I get it. That's that's where I was with the Duchess and the Dirtwater Fox. So hey, yeah, um, yeah. I think cool. like I was like, if you are a fan of Amy Schumer's style of comedy, like you're gonna like it, and if you're not, it's not like yeah. you know. There's I don't think they asked. Um, Goldie's do anything groundbreaking and I don't think she from what I saw is doing anything groundbreaking it's just a vehicle for Amy Schumer to be you know yeah her, t- her typical gross out girly comedy which I, is fine I, I kind of felt that way when I watched it for Joan Cusack I also did notice that it's like pretty racist especially for 2017 <laughs> but <laughs> was like okay South Americans are really getting um yeah but yeah, it, yeah sure um, in 2018, she has a cameo in the Netflix film Christmas Chronicles. Uh, she has a larger role in the sequel Christmas Chronicles 2 from 2020. Um, she plays Mrs. Claus uh, to Kurt Russell's Santa Claus. And yeah, and it's, sure. it's, cu- it's cute. cute. I've not, I've not seen either. I know I had the opportunity to watch Christmas Chronicle when we did Santa Claus on film. I no, I mean, no, we don't need to talk about that. Like, no, yeah. it's cute. It's cute. I, you know, these people are in their 70s. Let them play Santa and Mrs. Claus. Who cares? Cute. <laughs> exactly. She has said if she wants, you know, she wants to play Mrs. Claus one more time. So hopefully they get it. I thought those movies were hits. Yeah, work. Um, she has said in a 2012 interview, she's not a Buddhist, even though she does practice a lot of meditation that she is in fact Jewish. She's a huge supporter of the LGBTQ community. Um, she has spoken to nations such as Nigeria and others, which have criminalized gay people. Um, and she's denounced this laws stating this is man's inhumanity to man of the first order. We've mentioned that she's been with Kurt Russell since Valentine's day in 1983. They are not married. She has said in fact, if they were married, most likely they would have divorced by now. Wow. I love that. You both want to be together. Got, <laughs> I mean, you've got to want to be together. And as long as you... Why are you laughing? I'm just because, because it's, you're right. It's up and down. It's sideways. It's whatever. At the end of the day, what, how do you explain it? I don't know. I guess it's as simple as saying... I. For me, it's the same thing as what you're saying. I, I, I call that love. Relationships go through periods, sometimes really hard times. But there's nothing sweeter than having a family. And that is worth everything. They they have a blended family. As we mentioned before, she has her two kids from her previous marriage. Uh, he has a son from a previous relationship. Uh, they also have their son, Wyatt Russell, who is handsome as fuck. Um, <laughs> I want to look him up. Hold oh on. yeah, you've seen him before. I, did you see Twenty Two Jump Street? I think that's him. He's oh, the like maybe. football player. He's cute. Oh, he's very cute. He he looks like he's like the reverse Kate Hudson, where he he he's a clone of Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and that's I mean that's pretty much wraps her up. Except oh well, in two thousand three she started the Han Foundation. Uh, they're a nonprofit organization which provides youth education programs intended to improve academic performance through, quote, life-enhancing strategies for well-being. The Han Foundation has reported research studies conducted by external researchers to evaluate effectiveness of its educational program for children called Mind Up. This is also like bringing children meditation and everything. It's something she's very passionate about, and she's kind of made her full-time job. 
since she's not doing a ton of acting. And I think that's pretty respectable because it's more about, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem harmful to me to say, I would like to help kids learn. Yeah. Yeah. Great. But that, you know, that's Goldie in a nutshell. Why don't we start with our one star reviews just to talk about the films that we didn't particularly like. There are certainly some things to choose from. Like, not everything is, like, great. But I think she's also um, has had a career where she's oftentimes very good in bad movies. Um, like, I, I, even though I think Overboard is a wildly offensive and bad movie, yeah. she is actually very good in it. I yeah, think I she... almost wish we got to spend more time with her as the bitch. <laughs> she's so good Funny. at it. Honey, she... We we're on that boat with her for a couple hours, and she's had three costume changes. I what else could I want? Um, but as far as like her performance wise, I have to go with seventy four as the girl from Petrovka. Um, it is just a wild ride. I mean, I was watching it and being like, "Who told her?" <laughs> Or who let her do this? I And it seems very bizarre because it's so early in her career. Um, but I guess she really was just like hoping to kind of break out of what she had been doing before. But like the accent is beyond shaky quakey. Um, I don't even know if she has a full grasp. I mean, I don't know what the fuck was going on in the movie. Yeah. I was like, does she know what's going on in the movie? Um, who knows what the fuck is going on in this movie? I mean, there's like a scene where she's like, I would like to give me for rent. Like and that's yeah. the and that's the way she's talking. Like it's it's very, you know, I I, I what's, what's even weirder about that scene is it's followed a couple scenes later by him attempting to initiate mm-hmm. a sexual relationship with her and she's basically like what are you doing and he's like isn't this what you wanted and it's like you're both being gross. Stop yeah, it. Like yeah, it's yeah. very and th- that he's like says earlier in the movie like how he's done with like relationships and uh, and the, I, a lot of the 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 movie i just couldn't like figure out like maybe it's because we're too young for this gavin i don't know what right. was going on politically like someone i mean was i do know what was going on politically and i i still don't think this movie had very much to say about it perhaps if she had actually been somebody from the area that but no by also making her an immigrant from elsewhere it it all gets confused and muddled the the whole like it's so funny because i feel like they also want to eat their cake and have it too by being like oh she's this very serious ballet dancer but also she's like painting a heart on her face like she's like a flower child and yeah she's a free spirit and like a lot of this movie is trying to be like actually art is good and you can't do art here in russia because they'll put you in jail and like he wants the kid to like do you know what jazz is and it's like right i can't play jazz I don't even know what the fuck accent I'm doing now, but like that's probably as good as what they're fucking doing. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's actually pretty close. Um, uh, Anthony Hopkins is here, yeah, uh, doing something, doing uh, yeah something. Uh, really quickly, Goldie's name in this movie is Octiabrina. Yeah, Octiabrina. Octiabrina. Uh, it's it's it for such a like 
long movie and like kind of heavy movie it is is filled with nothing like literally what there's nothing to be learned here there it's just kind of like yeah it all it's all shit guys it's all shit and and unfortunately i think goldie is very not good so that's my answer review i suppose your country's better yes much better at indian massacres and burning villages in vietnam and lynching innocent negroes and then you being very superior in your in your sparkling kitchens and fancy cars. That's the whole point. Our journalists write about those things, all the crummy things about our own government. Or else how the hell would you know about it? I'm here to report the truth. Your truth. The uglier the better. I was waffling between a couple, but I think you maybe convinced me that for protocol, I'm not mad, just disappointed. Mm, and okay, so sure. like pr- protocol was up there for me. But so without protocol on the table, my one star review is also 1974's The Girl from Petrovka. It's a really tough slog to get through, too. And once again, you you said, you know, for a really long movie, it's 103 minutes. It's an hour 43. It's not that long when you think about it, but it feels it. You feel the weight of it. You feel like you spend five years in a labor camp with this movie. (laughs) And... Yeah, it just her and Hal Holbrook have no chemistry. No, no, no. no. And you're really by the end of this movie supposed to believe that they are the great loves of each other's lives. There's a whole sequence where she leaves him and then like comes back into his life with another with another um, little boy toy attached. And you almost think maybe this is where the movie is ending, and then it doesn't and like you said no one learns anything no one's convinced of anything by the end of the movie the audience certainly isn't informed of anything it's but it's even like why is he a journalist what is he doing yeah like is there an actual story he's like reporting on like is i thought oh there's gonna be some like grand scheme but it's just kind of like russia and communism is bad and she's like but america you know was bad to black people and Native Americans. So that's also bad. And right. And I thought like, okay, well maybe he's gonna write a story about like labor camps. There there's nothing happening. There's literally nothing happening. Um I will say I mean the, to be fair, not to be fair, but like to be clear, there are bad movies beyond The Girl from Petrov. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, like we said dollar like bleh Oh yeah. You, and, and and you like I still derive like a sick pleasure from Overboard, and I think it's probably because I was brainwashed as a child by it being on no. so much. But like, no, the it, the, it, the politics of of Overboard are reprehensible. Right. Uh, I, I do think people should watch though because it is a fascinating yeah study and like us as humans um, and and the time. But like, you know, does anyone need to see fucking Town and Country? No, no. Um, uh, I, same, same with uh, Lovers and Liars, the Italian film she did. Like, yeah, you're you're better uh, off. Like, well, I mean, you know, um, there's a girl in my soup. I mean, I guess if you want to see like a really prime example of the manic pixie dream girl, that's yeah. it. But I, I would even say like Snatch. Does anyone need to see Snatch? Really? Oh, like, yeah. probably not. Like, I don't. 
you know, I don't think it was, uh, and from the little that I saw, like, I don't think Amy Schumer is really pushing herself into anything interesting here either. Right. Um, And and listen, I've said many times on the show, the job of a critic is not to tell you whether you should see something or not. But also Louie and I have a limited time in which we, a self-imposed limited time in which we do this show. And so it, it does become very much like when you're working down a list of someone's career, you're like, did I have to see that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, that's to say, like, and again, I will say, you know, she is a magnetic, charming star. Yeah. Um, even in the worst of her movies, I would say with the exception of The Girl from Petrovka. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So with that, let's get into our five-star review. Gavin, I, I really wish I could be imaginative, creative crazy sexy cool uh, <laughs> but like it just has to be death becomes her <laughs> like, yeah it, i I, was, I get that i will say i enjoyed private benjamin immensely i think she's very good in it i think she's pushing herself i think it is um a worthy entry um like i mentioned i think crisscross um is was as kind of a surprise a nice surprise but like death becomes her and I, I talked about this already in Robert Zemeckis, which was my five-star review for that episode. Specifically here, I think she is going toe-to-fucking-toe with Meryl Streep. Yeah. And even beyond, because I think she gets to do more than Meryl. And even though Meryl has, like, the, um, perhaps the showier character, she's the one who actually gets married to Ernst, or Ernest, um, I think the arc of, um, she's Helen, right? Or yes. she Madeline? Yeah, she's Helen. Hell, yeah, um, yeah Madeline's. Uh, yeah, Madeline's Mer- Meryl. Yeah, I think Helen has like the character arc and the transformation that is so much more fun and engaging, and um, you really see Goldie on a lot of different levels. Meryl was mostly at the same level. She's always kind yeah. of like the conniving, you know, awful bitch. Um, like her, and- her character arc doesn't truly start until she dies, right? Um. Mer- uh, Goldie's character arc is already in full swing and like I hate fat suits for laughs and so no, I've I- never enjoyed that part of the movie but like it does inform who she is and the and the person she's become right I will say watching it this time I was like because I was like wow especially in the fat suit portion of the film I was like I bet you Goldie is actually really enjoying herself and like going full balls to the wall, you know, the, the, the scene where she's sitting in the couch and is watching the TV yes. over and over and, she, and her, and her eyes have never looked bigger and she's got like food all over herself. I was like, I bet you she's having the time of her life, not having to just be like the pretty dumb bitch. Yeah. But at the same time, I was obviously conflicted by, you know, like the, there's a lot of the movie where it's like, you're at rock bottom and you're the fattest you've ever been. And that's like what's, you know, the connection yeah. we're supposed as an we're supposed to make that. And that, of course, is problematic and uncomfortable. Um, but because the movie is like absolutely aiming for high camp and like just vicious venom. Right. Like it makes sense with the style. And and also, listen, the overarching narrative of the movie is you know, like, why would you choose to live like absolute perfection is hell. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, the choice that Bruce Willis makes at the end of that movie is I would rather live my life, like living my life instead of being trapped in this. Yeah. So like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I think like it, it does play into the idea of like, this movie is talking about body issues and the way that we like torture ourselves. Um, I mean, cause in what this movie is supposing is like, you know, she's depressed. She's having a mental breakdown um, and she is punishing herself again through changing her body. And then, but also her alleged happiness comes through this very radical transformation of her body as well. So like it is kind of in conversation with her. It's complicated, but all I have to say, I think Goldie outdoes Meryl. I mean, I think she has more to do. I think she's so funny. The way she's just commanding every moment. Um, yeah, it's great. I, I watching it again for her specifically, I was just like, She's delicious. The way she comes up from, from <laughs> the water. such a good way to describe it. Yes. In, in the water, and she's in that red. It says so good. Has she... I have thought this ever... And ever since I was younger, has she ever looked hotter? Than yeah. after? And it's crazy, because she's fucking dead. But, yeah. like, when she comes up out of that water, and she has, like, the contacts in, and the... The hole in her stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Look at me, Ernest. Just look at me. I'm soaking wet. And there seems to be something wrong with your, uh, blouse. Oh, I have a, a hole in my stomach. Oh. I have a hole in my stomach. Yeah. And you're still alive. That's another miracle! Oh, no, it isn't. That's my fast review. I, uh, I, this is also another one I waffled back and forth on. Obviously, Death Becomes Her very much in conversation because I just love that movie to death. And I guess, like, I should give it my five-star review at some point. But in order to, to make this maybe not as boring for our audience as it could be, um, I, I will go with 1980s Private Benjamin because I had never seen it before and because I, it was such a delightful surprise. Do I think this movie is perfect? Not by any means. In fact, I think it maybe has one of the most anticlimactic endings. I it's it's weird because it's both a satisfying ending because you're seeing a person choose themselves, but also like you're kind of like, "Huh, we just went all that for through the all that for for this?" But I but I also don't know how else you would have ended it. You know, that's um but as we mentioned before, you know, Judy Benjamin, she's a 28-year-old woman who is she's been married twice. Her her latest husband has just died mid-coitus with her. I love that she flat out tells his mom when his mom is like, what were his last words? She's like, I'm coming. I'm coming. Yeah. She gets tricked into joining the army. She has a terrible time. She's very prissy and whatnot. Eileen Brennan plays her, you know, commanding sergeant and uh, but she's going to prove everybody wrong. She's going to prove her parents wrong. She's going to prove she can do it. Moves up in the ranks. Lots of bits, as you said before, for everything else. Bits, bits, bits. Meets a guy in New Orleans. Go Ends up going to France to see him again. Played by Armand DeSante. He proposes to her. She leaves the army because he's a communist. And so the army's like, you can't 
marry him. Um, and then finds out on their wedding day, she doesn't need him. He's a, ch- a man child. He's never going to leave his ex lovers. And, and I think her character arc is so satisfying and watching her choose herself throughout the entire film is so much fun and it is so silly and and so like you know like the oh like you said running and but like the becoming a full person is such a rare thing i think when you're watching a movie um that it's kind of revolutionary to see because you don't get that a lot in movies nowadays i remember she said nancy meyer had tried to sell the script elsewhere before coming to her. And they were like, this isn't a movie. Mm. And, and when she heard it, that whole story I told earlier with Nancy Myers being like, you know, she, she welled up and I think she realized like, yeah, maybe it's not a complete narrative, but like when it comes to a complete character, Oh it's, yeah. It's a movie. Yeah. I, I watching this movie. I was like, the idea, I have never in my life felt more attracted to be like, what if I did just like say, fuck this life, I'm going to go join the military. Yeah. <laughs> I want some structure in my life. Yeah. I want to I want to meet people from like all over. Um, and I mean, it, because her life is like crumbling around her and she's and the idea of like when she, her parents are kind of like, sweetie, it's OK, babe. You can you can leave. You yeah, can, we got you can this. Quit. You can quit. And she's like, I cannot go back to this life. I cannot go back to this fucked up life. Um, and I'm gonna like push through. Um, yeah, I, I do think like it's funny you mentioned like you don't think it's a perfect movie. I was kind of like taken when it like she has to go to France. There's like this whole second slash third act of like yeah. this other life that she's kind of backsliding into, you know, for a man. Um, and at first you're like, oh, okay, I guess. Um, and she never really reconciles with, uh, Mylene Brennan's character. I know. Well, that's, that's the part that weirds me out is there, the third act really pushes every other character from the second act out of the film. And right. that's, that's a hard thing, I think, to. Yeah. Cause she made like really good friendships. Those other yeah. women that there, um. That scene where the, all the women are talking about having their orgasm. Yeah. Is so good. And once again, 1980 feels mm-hmm. impossible. <laughs> well, once, when I was with my first husband, I got to this place that was kind of nice and tingly. <laughs> and um, I don't know if it was official. I mean, I don't know if this was an official, like, orgasm, you know. But I counted it as one for five years. How many times have you been married, Benjamin? Twice. Mm-hmm. First time for six weeks, and the second time... For six hours. That third act and her, like, she thinks she's going to get it all. She has this new love. She's having orgasms, the career of the military. <laughs> um, but guess what, bitch? Men? Men! <laughs> Men? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And in the end, 
she's she says fuck this which which good i was like where is this movie going um but yeah i like that a lot and, and you're absolutely right i mean the idea i mean you're taking ownership of your life you're taking control and- yeah and i think that's i think that's what truly it, because like i said when initially upon like it got to the very end and was kind of like huh that's it but then i was like this is so much deeper than that and you don't you don't see that a lot from hollywood you truly don't i was like independent french film maybe but like well, yeah like in that this movie in a classic Hollywood way would have ended with her, like with a really happy ending of like with the guy or yeah. like, you know, she, and she did the or thing. Like, or know? like rejoining the, yeah. the, the job she just left instead of him. And or somehow she, quote, having it all. Somehow right. like returning to her family stronger than ever. And you, and you just truly don't know where she's going to go at the end. Yeah. And, but she also doesn't care. Yeah. And that's, that's lovely. Um, yeah. Real quick, and I'm I am gonna wrap this up. Even though Eileen Brennan played uh, such a uh, antagonistic character with her, she was really good friends with Eileen Brennan, and all the way up until when Eileen Brennan died. And really? so I I love that. I love like she's just such a loyal, friendly person that like yeah. she saw this other like comedic actress and was like. You, yeah. me, yeah. friends now. Um, the only other movie that I would have picked besides Death Becomes Her or Private Benjamin is actually Best Friends. I think it really surprised me a lot. Um, it's funny because it's about a relationship and the husband and wife team who wrote it um, ended up breaking up short- by the time the movie came out. Wow. Ray Levinson and Valerie Curtin had ended their marriage. Um, and you kind of feel like that's maybe what's going to happen to this couple in the movie as well. I thought it was maybe the best I've ever seen Burt Reynolds in a movie. And she's also really good in it. And yeah, I don't know what a lovely little film. So I highly recommend seeing 1982's best friends. If you haven't. Yeah. I also would just say, I mean, like I'd never seen cactus flower and super charming, super, 60s um super fun uh yeah I, I i i get why she you know was awarded the oscar um it's it's a fun light movie it's great <laughs> all right before we get into our fast forward why don't we get into our mixed reviews reviews uh my one star review was 1974's the girl from petrovka same girl same <laughs> go piss girl in petrovka uh <laughs> my five-star review was 1992's death becomes her in my five-star review was 1980s private benjamin lovely let's get into our fast forward i personally hadn't thought of um goldie hawn really in a while and it kind of shocked me when she won the poll. Cause I was like, Oh, I guess she's on the mind of other people only to find out that she, uh, made USA today's 2023 woman of the year list. Huh? It means a lot to me. It really does. I mean, I, I was very surprised. And, uh, at the same time, I got to really stand next to some extraordinary and very formidable women. Uh, so it, it really made me extremely happy and I feel very honored. She is still in the ether. She's still yeah. out there doing stuff. Um, like I mentioned, there's that big Vanity Fair retrospective on her. 
there's a bunch of stuff in her career we didn't even talk about. She, uh, you know, she did produce other movies that she wasn't in. She produced one of my favorites, My Blue Heaven from 1990. Um, she she produced the Matthew Shepard story in 2002 wow. for TV. Famously, she was going to do Chicago in the 80s with Madonna. We talked a little bit about that in our Madonna episode with Trana Wintour. Uh, go listen to that episode. Trana is so much fun. And Harvey Weinstein essentially kiboshed it. And she's in that Vanity Fair piece. She reveals like she was like, listen, asshole, I know what you're doing. Because they were they rewrote uh, the Velma role for someone much younger. So Goldie wouldn't be able to play it. Though I will say this to any Vanity Fair journalist listening. You don't have to get a quote from Harvey Weinstein in prison. I do not care. We don't need it. No, no one cares what he thinks. It's good enough to hear Goldie's version. Thank you. I do wish we would have been able to see her dancing more on on, on film. Because she's such a, I mean, she was trained dancer. And, and I mean, this, dancing uh, on film, that's not a fucking ballerina in Russia. <laughs> well, that's the, the, you know, she also danced a lot in, in the, the 20 minutes of the Duchess and the Dirtwater Fox that I saw. So maybe she thought, like, if I dance in a movie, it doesn't do well. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the thing. Hmm. But I, I agree. I would I would have loved to see that. You know, she seems like such a down-to-earth, she's a mother, she's a grandmother. She, she said for when it came to her kids, the only thing is she didn't want them to be child actors. So mm. she like made them go to school first. Um, I think she's just happy doing that. You know, she said yeah. she's been showing some of her grandkids, her older movies now. And that's so fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she, yeah, she's been around for a while. I mean, and her legacy is firmly in place movies and her fucking kids literally who are so successful. Um, I, I, I mentioned, you know, Kate Hudson is a Nepo baby, but like Kate Hudson is also very good at what she does right. in the same very, in the, in the, the exact lane that her mom did. But like, it, honey, when you got it, you got it. Like they have the star power running through their veins. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think she has anything coming up, but like she's 77 years old. She doesn't got to do fucking anything else. Right. She, she, like I said, she wants to play Mrs. Gloss again. Sure, good. That sounds like a non-taxing role that yeah. she can just do and have fun with her husband. Yeah, and I imagine, like, Snatch didn't really make any money, do anything, no. get good reviews. So I'm sure she's like, you know, why the fuck did I do this? Like, ugh. I really enjoyed doing this episode. I was so surprised by just how consistent her career has been since the yeah. late 60s. Um, and how much of it is, there is. And once again, doing a thing that rarely happens, which is she was in charge of a lot of it. Like yeah. She had the choice to do a lot of it. And, you know, fuck those directors that thought she was difficult. Now, Swing Shift, in my opinion, being the obvious uh, caveat, but like we all fucking make mistakes, you know? She didn't, she didn't know she was ruining that movie. <laughs> but also, I mean, like how many fucking movies have men fucked up? Mm-hmm. Like, it's fuck off. Like, you know, uh, I, I'm just w- going into this. Of course, I knew first wives club, which obviously everyone should see and death becomes her. Um, everything else was a mystery to me. Um, and so it was really cool to be able to go into the seventies, into the eighties. And, you know, were all the bangers. No, but like 
this was a woman who was operating at like peak Hollywood powers, making ton of money, making decisions, making shit happen. Um, and like, God bless, she's still around with us. And she has this very talented family. Um, and so I kind of, I kind of love it. I kind of love that her, she's still like the hippie girl. She's still yeah. that girl who's just like doing what she wants. When you, when you like look at interviews of her today, she's very just like, oh, there's no secret to life. What well, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Like, whatever. She's just wearing her chunky jewelry, like, and showing up barefoot to interviews. Like, yeah, I love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah, that's, that's Goldie. That, that is. And that's Goldie. Goldie. Um, we love you, Goldie. But if you want to contact us, not Goldie. I mean, you could probably find ways to contact Goldie. Just don't be weird about it. IMDb Pro. <laughs> but, but we did learn a lot about that. We did. But if you want to contact us, you can always find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. We're on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. You can always email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're over on Instagram where I sometimes post very silly clips of movies I'm watching for this podcast at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to our back catalog of episodes like you just listened to this one, we're on every major podcast app. I'm not even going to list them anymore. But if you could go leave us a five star rating and write a little review. And if you do that, we'll read it on the show. Yeah. Well, you show us the love, we show you the love. That's how it works here. Exactly. And also, the thing I always forget to tell people, if you like the show, tell a friend. Tell a friend about it. Word of mouth sometimes is even better than a podcast rating, though please do also rate our podcast. Totally, absolutely. Reach out to us. Um, We love chatting with all of you guys. Thank you for listening so much. We will be back in two weeks. I believe we have another guest coming for our we next do. episode oh did you uh, hear the doorbell ring <laughs> incomes company <laughs> uh, um, and 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 you keep an eye out for our may madness bracket coming soon um until then good night and good pod bye bye-bye oh, the chances are the ladies are the lady's brilliantly witty If she makes the dialogue flash If the lady's way with a ditty Makes the ditty seem like a smash If a song's add up to a fancy